What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to the Kim and Aaron Unleashed podcast. We are so happy to be here. We are in Peru. Para, Peru, Peru, para. And, whoa, whoa, she's getting excited. We are currently in Peru awaiting our group to arrive. And this week's podcast, we're going to be talking about our experience in the Dominican Republic with the Four North Project. Okay, so I feel like it's just been a whirlwind this past week. Like, I'm like, a, a week? I, I don't know. I don't know what day it is. I don't know who I am, where I am. No. Like, we were literally walking down. We're in Cusco, and we were walking down the street last night, like, coming back from dinner. And I'm like, babe, like, we're in Peru. Like, yeah. we're in South America. We're in our fifth continent Fifth it's continent. our first time here in South yep. America. Fifth continent. And I'm like, how did we get here? Like, we just freaking blew in on the breeze from Dominican. Like, well, I don't even know how we landed here alive, it a, it to be honest. It was a 27 straight hour, like, journey. And we didn't even, like, we only changed one time zone. Like, we went from Eastern to Central time. Right, like, it was the longest travel day of our life. Well, it no, that's not. not true. That's not true. But it felt like one of, I mean, 27 hours is pretty long, but like, yeah, we didn't change time zones. It wasn't, it was just long. It was just, well, I don't know. It was just a. And I think what added to it is when we were in the Dominican, we were showing up for our flight and we got a, or we we're checking in and we got an alert that said we're two hours and 45 minutes delayed, which means we were going to miss our connection. But then the language barrier, we were on Google Translate. Thank God Google Translate exists. Um, but they kept saying, no, you're fine. Your connection's fine. Your connection's fine. So the whole time we're like, we're going to miss our flight. Like, how are we going to do this? Yeah, there was a lot of balls in the air, a lot of planes to catch. A but lot that's of- what I was saying is we had to run from our flight into um, Panama and they literally held the plane for the connection. For like two hours, which is kind of crazy. It was like a two and they held the plane for like two and a half hours. Yeah. So I guess that's like something that they do because mm-hmm. they held the plane. Oh, no, our plane was late because of weather and, weather and chilly. Anyways, the like and just being in which we're going to get into on this episode, but like spending this past week, like as you guys know, if you if you've been listening, like, you know, the transition from Atlanta and then we went to Dominican, which was such a whirlwind. Like, I feel like we were running on fumes, like mm-hmm. literally crawling to the freaking airplane, like. Mm-hmm gasping for breath I mean, it's pretty dramatic. <laughs> like basically there was tequila running through my veins like i have been fueled by tequila and when bud from atlanta in the dominican oh in the dominican yeah. you're talking about right now i thought you were saying from atlanta to the dominican no no right? no. i'm saying like by the time we left dominican oh. i was crawling yeah. to the airport fueled only by tequila yeah. And cigarettes. You didn't have any smoke. I just wanted to say that. I mean, tequila and Presidente. Ugh, I can't. Ugh, yeah. Too much. But we're here, and our group comes in tomorrow. We are starting the first ever Trav Says Adventure Trip, and I feel like we've been talking about this for two years. We have. And we're finally like, holy shit, like, we're doing this, and okay, here we go. Like, ready or not. Here we come. Ready or not, here we come. You can't hide. Yeah. I'm going to find you. Okay. All right, anyway. I'm scared. Yeah. So, anyways, but we're going to... Had, we've had two days to... Well, I mean, it's felt kind of relaxing. There's been acclimatizing. 
going on. Um, there's been resting from the Dominican. I mean, we slept all day. So we literally flew in. Okay, so Cusco is at like 11 plus thousand feet. Okay, so you have to give yourself a couple days. meters. So you have to give yourself a couple days to get used to the altitude and all that. Uh, and so we weren't sure like really what to expect. And when we got here, we were already like exhausted from everything. So we got here at like what, 10 mm -hmm. and we took a nap for like five hours mm -hmm. and then we got up and went and had dinner and then came back and took a Benadryl and slept all night. Yeah. Like we slept the entire day. A Benny and a half. Yeah. That was amazing. That was the best sleep of my life. Yeah. You couldn't even make it through the show we were watching. Oh no, I was out. Like, yeah. best sleep of my life. So the curtain was closing. The curtain was closing. I, it opened a couple of times, and I was like terrified because I had no idea where I was. I couldn't come to. Like, I was so confused. Aaron was singing Apparently. slash gasping for air, and I was like, but I was too tired to even like That's nice. recognize. I think I just put like my finger like on your neck. Oh, fun, fun. To make sure that you Check were like, pulse. yeah. And like, I felt a little something, so then I just went oh, back to sleep. Okay. I mean, it was kind of funny in hindsight, you know, because it was our first night. We took a Benny and a half to sleep. And then I realized like that slows your respirations down. And you know, when you're acclimatizing. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. But we made it. We've, so we've been fine. Um, yeah. There's been some shortness of breath. There's been um, headachey stuff, but... We, heart rate increase yeah and, uh, like gasping a little just like yeah like, like wow. for a couple like seconds of like holy crap like yeah. that was weird yeah but other like we've been drinking a lot of chlorophyll water and cocoa tea and honestly like today so it's our third day here like i feel pretty good i feel great we're like ready to get into it yeah. so all right let's get into the dominican eh? Okay. yeah here we go so we go. let's start from the top okay yeah the this is good I just want to say too, like this episode is going to be candid. Like we're, we kind of were like gathering our thoughts and stuff about like what we wanted to share and whatever, but like, it's going to be kind of raw and uncut just because we took some notes, but we're kind of just going to talk. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. I mean, what's the difference from any other podcast? That's true. Yeah. Okay. So... Let's talk about first, like, what is, why, like, why were we there? What was it? Yeah. So, yeah. you want me to go? Yeah. Okay. Because you were kind of part of the whole genesis of, like, everything. Yeah. I was, like, a founding father. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Hashtag daddy gang for life. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's a podcast. It's amazing. And uh, there's a lot of daddy gangers on Yeah. We met some daddy gangers on the trip, which was amazing. So, Basically, the Four North Project is the nonprofit that's on the ground in the Dominican. Okay, Matt is there is one of the guys who runs it. There's he's a, a co-founder. He's a co-founder. The other guy lives in like Michigan or something. We didn't meet him, but Matt's like on the ground with the local people. There. Yeah, running all the logistics, all of the things. Okay, so he the work that he does is specifically in the Dominican Republic. Now. He had reached out. I, he got hooked up with Ryan from Travel Nurse Takeover, which is a, a big travel nurse community on Instagram um, where people share about their travels, whatever. So he reached out to him to see like if, if he would want to get involved. And I love that story, just how Ryan ghosted him. 
Yeah. Like for, and then he reached back out. Yeah. He Matt had never heard of travel healthcare community. Never knew it existed. Didn't know what it was. Um, and so he reached out and you know the rest is history but it was kind of a cool story well and matt's background is in healthcare matt is was a filmmaker mm-hmm. and um and he's like you know a philanthropist and is in this like volunteer not volunteer but like serving community so he's traveled all over the world doing this and then decided the dominican was going to be a place that they wanted to focus on they could make more of an impact if they focus in one area so they chose the dominican and so, yeah, so reach out to Ryan. So he didn't even know about, yeah, traveling or anything like that. And then finally, I guess Ryan had, like, gotten back to him. And he was like, do you want to be involved in this? Like, we want, like, medical people here to help, like, on the ground. Um, and then Ryan had reached out to MedVenture, um, which is the app for travelers, to, like, hook up, like, a meetup for traveler app. And then... Ryan also reached out to Aaron and I to see if we wanted to be involved. And this was kind of the the genesis of it the like the the beginning of it all is that the intention was to have these healthcare workers come together and they were calling it like kind of a vision project of what are some things that we could do as a community with travelers to make an impact in this specific community of people right and so that was the idea where Matt is on the ground with the local people with the connections driving the ship on the ground in the Dominican and then the the healthcare people People coming in were going to be kind of setting up these pop-up clinics and the different things that they were going to be doing on the ground that's how it began Aaron and I like we weren't able to come and be a part of the vision trip because that's when we were in Europe and we thought we were traveling for the year the whole thing it just didn't work out so um, so basically MedVenture and Travel Nurse Takeover collaborated with this Four North project and created what we know now as Stronger Together, which is the trip that we took. It's a specific trip that is collaborated with Four North because Four North does all different yeah, types also, of stuff. They have Dar Agua, which is where they provide clean water, which is a really cool project that they've designed and, and it's like really taking off now, which is awesome. And companies are basically... Uh, whoever wants to donate can donate. Um, they're putting like the logos on the water bottles of the people that donated. It's a really cool project. It's something I, I really want to get involved. I in. want to get involved in that. Yeah, like Four Noise does a lot of cool things. This just happens to be like the specific when we're talking about like the healthcare traveler stuff. And then also the other side of that is that Matt had been traveling in Uganda and met a man named Gordon. Gordon Mindenhall. Papa G. Papa G. Who is a legend. Legend and changed our lives in a matter of five days. I mean, we're going to get into that too. Like he literally opened our eyes in yeah. so <laughs> many. I know. Wow. Did you see that? Wow. That see was that? clever, no, bud. Yeah. That wasn't even in your notes. I know. I know. I'm Pun intended. Wow. Um, and so he met up with, so Gordon specializes and he was a professor at the University of Min- in, in, Indiana. Indiana. And he started traveling to the most remote villages in the world that have no access to basic health care, just basic needs, um, really not access to anything. And he started doing these non-clinical eye exams. Non-medical. Yeah, non-medical, non-clinical eye exams. And was able to 
give people glasses in these very remote parts of the world that haven't been able to see, haven't been able to read, um, and really being being able to make a huge impact, a life-changing impact in these people's lifestyles in a matter of minutes, like a tangible thing mm-hmm. they could take away. So. Matt met him and then Gordon decided to get involved with the Four North project. And so he came into the Stronger Together and the eye clinic was a huge part of the mission that we did. Major part. Major part. Like so so we'll get into that. But basically kind of the the overall like what med venture and travel nurse takeover, kind of the mission that they created. Because they're and remember that they're nurses and I do wish that like we could have kind of been involved too like in the beginning just because like we're not nurses which was something that we were nervous about because we're both radiology so we're like is it going to be super nurse driven like where you know nurses have different skills than other healthcare workers well, right Can I see Nick wrote that real quick Yeah yeah I mean that was something that I spent a lot of time thinking about because you know. Uh, radiology we we have a wide spectrum of of specialty and skills a lot of our skills are as it states radiology or imaging like backed right so like we do things we have skills that require imaging machines to do the work right like that we need to be able to work with in order to to do the things that we do best right now in interventional radiology we're a little bit more rogue when it comes down to the skills and the things that we have as of bandaging and suturing and and things like that so i felt like okay like i could get in with that with my skills there but in a radiology driven thing that's got to be more machine based and more infrastructure well yeah instead of going to oh yeah i got like you're not going to bring in a freaking mri machine on a semi into the village of bonnie right like right or ultrasound machines or you know things like that which we could but then where are you doing with that with the physicians and you know you find fibroids and then you're like what do you do now well yeah right because that's like i'm a sonographer so like I do, I scan, I do ultrasound, right? Like I don't necessarily take blood pressures or do blood sugars. I've, that's not part of my practice. That's not what I do. Like give me a probe and let me go do my good work where a nurse wouldn't be able to pick up a, a probe and go scan somebody and understand what they're doing. So like, yeah, like you're saying, like we, we do different things right. and I get what you're saying is like, yes, it's very, it's easier to kind of do pop-up clinics when we're not involving a, a radiology thing. Cause that's a whole nother beast. It's yeah. a whole nother system. Yeah. Even though there are like portable ultrasound things now that you can do on your phone. Right. But take that 10 steps down. Right. right. Like you said, you find some liver disease, then what? You're in a remote village of Bonnie okay. with no healthcare access. Right. Or, you know, it's too expensive to go to the hospital. Then you're like, this is what you have. And so I think that's a good segue into because we like sustainability is a really important piece of everything that we do. Right. Like you don't want to just go somewhere and be like, cool, like this is what's going on. Go to a hospital like uh, that's not helpful to these people. The reason why they're there is because most of them don't have access to go to a hospital or can't pay for these things, right? So you want whatever you're doing to make a difference and to be sustainable. So just kind of going back to what we were saying of what they were actually doing. Mm-hmm. So we have the glasses. So there's a whole eye exam center, which is incredibly impactful for these people. Mm-hmm. Makes makes a huge difference. And then they did these pop-up clinics. And what that is basically is like that- general health screenings. General health screenings. So they were doing um, 
taking blood sugars mm -hmm. and blood pressures and what else are you guys physical therapy physical therapy what else are you guys doing was that, that it that was pretty much just it. blood sugars blood pressures uh -huh. oxygen, oxygen levels, levels heart rate okay right so like very basic things and again like for us it's like what but like a lot of these people have never even had their blood pressure taken and oh and then we were also doing medical uh, medicine distribution mm -hmm. okay so going back to like hold on let me just so basically our group everybody had different roles okay mm -hmm. so there was a group of like 22 of us or something and so for instance like you had like kind of a team. So Aaron was doing blood sugar. So he was checking the blood sugars of people. And then I was doing the eye exams. Um, and so I was in like the eye exam lab with like my people. Then there was the blood pressure oxygen people. And then we had people like facilitating. We had people registering. PT and PT. then the medicine. Mm -hmm. So like everybody kind of had their station. So like you, they, they assigned you what you were going to be doing and then you kind of manned your station and figured it out. And so what they did is they, so we were in, we did three different locations. So we went into the mountains of, well, we went to the prison first, the prison, which was really cool because that was the first time Four North was granted access into the prison. So it was the first time we ever got to go in there. Yeah, which was awesome. And they really opened up. They didn't restrict us very much other than like no filming and, and things like that, which is understandable. Um, you know, jewelry off, passports, everything like you had to like really check in. Um, but they allowed us like into the guts of the prison to really like interact and be there to help these these women which was yeah it was like prison. it was like it was funny because it started out like in the eye exam they're like okay like only two prisoners allowed at one time and like keep everything like under control and by the end there was like 30 prisoners everyone's yelling like they're snatching up glasses and we're like oh my god like you know so it's like there's quote-unquote rules but then like none yeah. you know yeah. um but that yes yeah, so that was really cool so we did the women's prison the first day the second day we went up into the mountains outside of Bonnie and these people you know so remote and these people like don't even have you know like transportation or access to really anything yeah um and then the third day we went into the town of Bonnie so it was mm -hmm. a local church mm -hmm. that we set up there which is partnered with Four North the pastor there is right phenomenal and so it was like the local people of the actual town and how they got the word out is Matt and like his people on the ground basically went door to door to because again there's not like social media blast like a lot of these people don't even have phones or you know there's not like internet connection they went and knocked on all these people's doors like hundreds of doors saying that we're going to be here on this day from this time yeah they handed out flyers yeah and it was like really cool so like the mountain that we went up to uh, we went up to a school a little tiny school and we set up our clinic there and that was the first time they had ever done that and they weren't even sure if anyone was going to be able to show up that day mm -hmm. and we pulled up and there was a line outside yeah like it was like we were like crying like because matt was like holy shit like i didn't even know if anyone was going to come and like they were all like waiting i think that was the most people we saw oh no the town was the most yeah. people um but I think we served like over 150 people that day in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And it was just so cool to be like, wow, like these people are here and they're waiting. And just knowing that they're able to 
like they feel like they're well, you know, it, it, there is that whole complex, right? Like they they just see the Americans coming in, and it's just it's that feeling of like they're gonna they're gonna help me, right? And like some of them just wanted to be there just to be there, and I think that's like, you know, but we were able to really get in there and make a difference, yeah, in a way. And these people were very very appreciative, and just it was really cool. It was that's that's why we love doing this kind of stuff. Well, right. Like you're you're ma- you're able to like give access to things that people normally would never have access to, and so we'll circle back to the sustainability things. Yeah. I really want to come back to that, but like just because I want to stay on kind of to the the whole project itself is that one thing that makes this you know volunteer project different is. Number one, this is very new, right? They're still trying. It's like a startup. <laughs> they're, air quotes. Air a startup, right? Like they're still trying it's grassroots, to grassroots, man. Super grassroots. And they're trying to figure out their flow and work out the kinks and and keep it organized. And so it's like they're learning as they go, right? What's working? What's not? Every How can group we improve? Is on each other. We were group two, weren't we? Yeah. We're the second group to ever do this. Yeah. So it's new. So there's a lot of like places that can be improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that was really something that they felt really passionate about which I really think is cool and different is that they not only wanted to focus on giving serving the communities through volunteering our time but also adding an adventure and Mm -hmm. um, local experiences so you're going you're getting like a good mix of both Mm -hmm. right so like for instance when we went up to the mountain town we got to take four-wheelers up the mountain to this clinic and it was such a cool experience to like ex- like to see Dominican in that way is a completely different side of Dominican 100% instead of being trapped in a van yeah no and I, I mean I had the honor I, was, I felt really what's the word privileged and honored basically I got to be one of the drivers because I've been driving in other countries on four-wheelers and mopeds and I understand international you know traffic patterns and things like that and so I felt really like confident that I could be one of those drivers. So like I would help Matt out anything he needed. Like, hey man, can you hop on the freeway and go grab this? Like, can you go here? Like, I need you to take these people back and forth. And it was just really cool. It gave me a purpose amongst the purpose. Right, because there's only three four wheelers, and uh, you know not everybody can drive them. It was actually hilarious because when we first got there, Matt was like, okay, so like. Um, you know, Aaron, you know, you can drive the four wheeler. And like, Kim, like, I'm going to have you driving people up the mountain. Like, you'll be in charge of one or two. And I was just like laughing. So I was like, Are you fucking out of your mind? Well, I told him, Kim is the worst person to no. pick for this job. No. Like, not only have I never driven one, I drove a scooter once and crashed it. And like, I, no. You don't drive cars in the United States. I don't even, really. yeah, I don't even drive four wheel car, like, or cars with four wheels. Like, <laughs> I guess a four-wheeler has four, you know what I mean? Like a car with a roof. Like, so I was like, I'm not your girl, okay? Like I'll be a rider, because that was, like I'm, I'm a good rider, but like definitely not a Good driving. navigator. Good navigator. So, um, which by the way, you did really, really good. I appreciate that. Because I in, really in, think in Bali, I did too. You were very panicked. In Greece, you started to warm up a little bit. There was still a little bit of a slowdown, slowdown, slowdown when I wasn't even going that fast. Yeah. This time you were just in it. You were filming and. Dude, I was like ride or die. I had like chaps you on. You actually told me to go and faster. I was like, come on, like pedal to the metal, like go, yeah. go, like stop being a pussy, you know? <laughs> like, but it was, 
I, something I've been working on is really just trying to let go of my anxieties, let go of like the fears or just like the control and just be present, have fun, like enjoy this. I, I have no control over what's going to happen, but I really just wanted to enjoy it. And it just kind of clicked there for some reason. And like riding up the mountains, I had no fear. It was so fun. It was so beautiful. And I'm like, this is amazing. I also think you've grown a lot of confidence in me. I tr- why? Well, and that, I don't think if you would have been riding with anybody else, uh, you would have been. Nervous. No, we won't mention any names. <laughs> not mentioning any names, but there was a a rogue rider, a rogue driver. Yeah. Um, definitely not. I and I just want to clarify. I've always had such confidence in you because you are like so calm and cool and collected. You pay attention. You're very observant. Like I've always had confidence in you. I've always feel safe and protected with you. Always. I just, I was so unrattled within myself or not unrattled. Like I was just so nervous, like so scared. So I've always had the confidence in you, but I do think that just because like I'm releasing that like anxiety and just knowing that I am safe with you, it all kind of came together and clicked of like, I trust you and I trust this experience and I just want to enjoy it. And it just like came together. It was like a very freeing moment for me. Well, and it's funny because it was a freeing moment for me because to be honest with you, that was the most relaxed I've ever been driving in an international location because the fact that I could feel you were relaxed. Yeah. So I was able to just kind of do my thing. If I knew that I needed to gun it a little bit to get out into traffic, like I knew that I could do that without you panicking. Yeah. And so I wouldn't hesitate. Like you can't hesitate. Right. In those areas you gotta make a choice and go and i was like helping you were and you were like it's free here i was like you got this baby go and i mean we went through some crazy intersections and again it's like organized chaos there's no real traffic pattern um yeah they do stay on their their sides sometimes yeah um but you know it's kind of crazy they just honk honk, to let you know they're coming and, and it's the beautiful thing of like i don't know if we've ever talked about this on the podcast but i love international countries and how they use their horns Mm -hmm. they don't use them as a fuck you to like you know the driver sometimes but the rest of it's just like hey i'm coming yeah like i'm i'm moving forward beep beep yeah so just so you know or when they pass you beep beep coming up beside you it's like just to let you know they're coming And and i always thought that was so cool and I would love to adopt that in the United States. Uh, yeah, probably not going to happen. But like if they weren't beeping, there would be so many accidents because you just, there's no stopping. There's no rhyme or reason. People are just going well, rogue. even traffic lights are just suggestions. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that like added to the experience, right? And so... For instance, you know, we did three days full of clinic and then we would do the clinic and then at night they would we would go to a, a dinner, right, mm-hmm. as a group. And or the pool. Or the pool. Like, yeah, we went to this like uh pool what would you even it's call like a, it? It was a liquor pool club. It was basically like what you picture in Vegas. Like a pool like a heart like one of those A club like, thing, yeah, yeah. Like music blaring, like bar. Like you had to spend a certain amount of money on drinks or else you had to pay a fee kind of deal. Yeah, it was like kind of bougie, but like amazing in the same way. And of course, like Aaron and I, because, you know, my drink of choice is tequila and club soda and lime. Like it's safe. I don't get breakout in hives. Like it's clean. There's not no sugar. Like usually not hungover. I don't get. Yeah, it's like my safe go to. That is what I drink. That's what I enjoy unless I do a martini. But like that wasn't an option. So 
everywhere or like at this place like you could either get a beer which i don't like or like a pina colada which uh no like <laughs> sugar no it's disgusting it's like a smoothie well some of us love them yeah not, like not us, everybody else loved them and i and charles and his pina colada oh my god it was hilarious it was like yeah like they but <laughs> i i can only have like one and then i'm like throwing up in the bathroom yeah Anyways, and you couldn't just get a mixed drink. You had, if you wanted a drink, you had to buy the bottle. Yeah. So, of course, every, everyone's, like, sitting drinking their beers, pina coladas. And Ann and I come up. We have, like, a bucket of, like, Patron well, and ice to, and lives. We, we knew we were going to spend <coughs> enough money. So, we basically got, like, our own private little, like, what do you call them? Cabana. Cabana. Is it a cabana? It's a cabana, but you oh. can say cabana. <laughs> cabana with our own private little pool. Yeah. And it was really cool. But like when we ordered the bottle, I just thought they were just going to be, okay, they ordered the bottle. Now they can have a drink. Yeah. Right? They literally like put all these ice things in and limes and then like salt. And then like we did club soda and they stacked them up in this cool little like way. And then they put the big bottle of Patron in the middle and they put it on a tray. I mean, all it was. was it was a, a spectacle. It was short of the firework thing. That yeah. They're doing like, you know, VIP. Yeah. It like, was, like, kind of embarrassing. And, uh, Kim and I are following them. Like, can we just, like, have our drinks? Well, like... it was, like, one of those moments, because, like, this was our first day, too. It was, like, one of those moments where you feel like you're being so extra. And, like, I just want, like, we weren't trying to, like, be cool. Like, being, like, we have a bottle, guys. Right. We're bottles. Yeah. It was more, like, uh, no, like, I drink tequila, and I want to have this drink, and we can take it with us and have it, because they don't have anything that I like to drink. It was more about that, but it looked very, like, who are these fucking clowns yeah, coming in with bottle service? Yeah. Like, it was just really funny. Which was really clutch, because we had the Hell yeah, we the had it the whole time. time. It was amazing. Yeah. So then it's like, I always had my Patron, mm -hmm. which, you know, I was happy about that, because yeah. we needed it. To like get through life until the second to okay. last night. So, so yeah. So like that was kind of the vibe at night. We would go somewhere, and then it was three solid days of clinic, and then the last day, the fourth day, um, they went whitewater rafting. So you go up into the mountains, and it's like whitewater rafting and paragliding, and so you get kind of this like full on adventure day. So they really did design it in a cool way that. If you if you want to do both, that's kind of the experience you're going to get. It's mm. going to be a good mix. I mean, we only spent maybe four hours, five hours at the clinic. We would do. We would leave for clinic at nine, get there around ten thirty, like depending. In the Right, uh, basically starting at 10 or 12 around that time, and then we would stop at like three or four. Three or four, yeah. So, and like we can only compare it like when we were in Tanzania, we were there 12, 15 hours a day, like, and it was all about work. So it was yeah. a complete, and we went out and had dinners and stuff, but two completely different experiences. Well, and I think that's a good topic into the conversation of like, again, like a lot of people hear medical volunteer trip, right? They hear that. And everybody knows what that is. Like, there's people going into villages. There's people doing dental things. Like, there's the Mercy Ship. There's all the... And Tanzania, you know, Project or IR, Road to IR, and, like, all these different things. And you're, you're like, grinding. So I think the mindset of a lot of people going into this is that we're going to be working in clinic and working in the community all day long. But that's not what this is. And so it's about really understanding that you are providing a clinic for four maybe five hours tops during the day and then the rest is about the experiencing you know the local community and doing little things that you wouldn't normally get to do as 
Yeah, like with your group of people. Like you are like having this experience with the people that you're with, right, too. And so that's like the branding of it. That should be the branding of it, right? Because it is definitely a, a, a lot of partying. And group, yeah. Yeah, and I guess, and we can only speak from our experience, right? Because it's going to depend on the group that you go with. We were with like 22 people and we were all like young and it was a big party group. So it was like at night, it was like, up late, drinking, partying, dancing, which was a lot of fun, but also it's like... Not five straight nights of it. No. Well, and like, because in real life, like, because Aaron and I, like, we're, we love to get down. We love to have a good time. We can go out and party and hang, like, with the best of them. But, like, we're good for, like, one night. Yeah, one like, solid night. One, I'll give you, like, the best, my best self, like, one night. After that, like, I'm done. Like, we don't drink a lot like that in our real life. Definitely not multiple days in a row. It's just not how we roll. And I get burnt out, like, easily. Like, through like the drinking and the not sleeping and it was early mornings and and so that is something that well i mean you and i as a whole don't like to feel bad no matter what we want to feel at our best at all moments yeah and that really took that out on top of like you know learning a new skill and like being in the clinic and that whole like vibe that's a whole nother vibe right you're running on adrenaline which is great and you're you're lively and you're feeling awesome but then you have to like come down and then we would get kind of like right into partying and it just kind of like it would feel good for a minute. But then you'd wake up the next morning. You're like, fuck my life. And you're just like, wow, like it takes a while to get your motor running. Again. Right. But I did notice that clinic revived me. A hundred percent. Every time. Well, yeah, because you, you get up, you get going, you get out there, you're working on something. So you naturally always wake up like and I will say, too, like, of course, you don't have to be involved in any kind of going out or partying. Like, obviously, it's a choice. But I will say, like, when you're in a group setting, you want to be a part of the group. Like, yeah. everyone's, like, talking and bonding and connecting and, like, getting to know each other. And, and there is that sense of FOMO of, like, you know, I'm like, I'm so tired. I just want to go home. But then, like, you don't want to, like, miss out on anything. So it is an interesting dynamic when you're in a group like that. You want to be a part of it. But then, I mean, we had some of the most amazing talks with the people in our group. Like, that's how we really got yeah, to know each other. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, alcohol helps. Like, it kind of lowers the inhibitions. And yeah. It's kind of like free. And you just kind of talk and it, you're just more relaxed. And so I, I feel like it cuts that, that ice in a way of just like, these are strangers. We're perfect strangers. Some of us know each other. And we're going into another country and we're doing something that is completely out of our comfort zones. And so it was nice. I mean, it is nice. I don't want to say that it was like, ah, I, I didn't like, it was like one of my favorite parts. No, I was going to say like the, the people was one of the biggest oh, takeaways. Like, because again, the dynamic is there was like 20 plus people. You're in um, a guest house. Okay. So there's like a couple different rooms. There's different bunk beds and you're sleeping in a guest house. You're sharing this house with other people. There was also apartments where Aaron and I, um, ended Gordon, up in an apartment with Gordon. So we kind of had our own space. And then there was a couple other people that had their own apartment as well. But the people is, because again, we were all strangers. And then after less than a week, we left feeling like a family, mm-hmm. right? Because you're just in it. You're with each other. You're in the grind together. You're getting to know each other. You're, you know, going to dinner and drinking together at night. Like, it just accelerates friendships because you're just kind of thrown into this weird environment where you just naturally are like, 
you just connect. There's also a lot of personalities. 100%. That's another thing to think about. Like there's well, a the healthcare community in general is very alpha opinionated. Go getter, yeah. Just you know, yeah. So that you got to add that. You got to think, yeah. And it was a wild group, but it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we like to do anything like that. Even when we went to Tanzania, it was a small group. There was only five of us, but we were literally family. Like because you just you just do like you're in it together. You're ride or die. You're connecting in a way that like you never would in real life because you're so immersed in what you're doing together that you just like become an Insta family. Yeah. And that was, I really loved that part no, of it. No, it was my favorite part. And the people, like we met, we made some really great friendships that I know like we're going to have for a long time. Like we're meeting some people in Bali. Like, right. you know, it was just, that was so cool. Um, well, I mean, we're planning projects with other people. Oh my like, God. Yes. I mean, it's it just that trip. I think, you know, again, if you've listened to a couple podcasts, you know, Kim and I firmly believe that we are led in the directions that we are supposed to be in. And the fact that, like, we couldn't go on a couple of the trips, we were kind of bombed at the, like, the beginning, kind of be on the ground, the, you know, ground floor of this whole thing. But we did get to show up because it worked out and we got to show up on this trip. And on this trip, we got to meet Gordon. And then Gordon was our roommate. And, like, we got to really connect with him. And then we got to connect with this group. And then we got to, like, just see things and observe things in a totally different way that I don't know if we would have back then, right? Like, we had a whole new, like, fresh set of eyes with the things that we've been developing and the things that we've been working on personally. And, like, that was the right moment for that trip. Because look at the group that's there now. Gordon's not even there. Oh, my God. Exactly. And so... Gordon changed our perspective on so many things like yeah. which we'll get into in a second but like because it's also talking about sustainability right? right because one thing that's very important to us and i think most people that want to be involved in volunteer trips and things like that is like well, you I hope so you want to create something that's sustainable not just something you come in on a white horse do for a couple of days and then you're out and the people are left being like oh well that was cool but now it's over so we didn't really benefit from that right uh, that's really important. Like when we were in Tanzania, we were there not just to do IR or exams on the local people. We are there to train the local people so that they could do it on their own. That's mm -hmm. the point. And they were building residents and fellows and attendings, the first ever IR attendings in East Africa. Right. Which was huge because now they're teaching the next group, the next residents, the next fellows. And it's just going to be this ongoing thing, the new technologists, the new nurses, like all of that. And so that's really sustainable. And one of the one of the residents at the time when we were there is now an attending and he's taking this project and everything he's learned and he's starting it in Rwanda, which is where he's from, right? So it's like the whole point is that you want to teach and you want to train where the locals wherever you are so that they can take that and run with it and apply that into their own communities. That's mm -hmm. the point of anything you do, right? right. That's very very important to me especially. And so one of the things that we observed and we we all like at the end we had this big debrief, right? And we all kind of broke down, okay, what did we see? What didn't work? What could we improve on, right? Like just giving our advice and our opinion like again, Matt's not healthcare, right? So we were all of us. Can I just add though, like Matt's not healthcare, but he is so locked into like improving and learning. Mm -hmm. And that is what you need for somebody that's going to be in that area and I think he had the most purest heart 
like. He, oh yeah, he's like he, a celebrity he, in he's there. He's emotional, like vulnerable, just everything you would want. I mean, he, I, I really enjoyed my time with him. Oh my God. Well, and here's the thing too, is like a side note, like Matt's part of the package. He's the fun. He's on the ground. He's local. He's creating an experience. He is like the party. He is fun. Mm -hmm. He's there with you, making you have a fun experience. Like, you know, for instance, like the ATV crew. Okay, can I just tell this real quick? Yeah. So because I was one of the drivers, we noticed, and it happened by accident, but I actually suggested this because I was like, it is part of the experience that there was three ATVs. They did want more, but you know, it's a nonprofit, but we had three. And so we had three drivers always, and then three people got to rotate riding. And so on the way home from clinic, Matt started to be like, hey, let's pull off into here. Like, let's go to this place, or let's go to this place, let's go to this place. So it became this, like, the six people on the ATVs got to really connect and then go and do something that the whole group didn't get to go do, right? So it was very special to the ATVs, and it was one of my favorite moments. It was like, where are we going to today? Like, it's kind of fun. It, it was like an, a side adventure that yeah. only the people on the ATVs got to do. And then the bus people, unfortunately, were totally <laughs> left out. <laughs> it was like the very exclusive ATV crew. Mm -hmm. but like on the way home from our last day at the clinic, Matt was like, we're stopping by the gas. It's not a gas station. It's kind of like their stores. market. Yeah. And he's like, and we're going to gamble and we're going to like have a beer to like celebrate. And we're, and we're all like, what the fuck are you like? What are you a gamble? Like. We're like, okay, Matt, lead the way, right? And like, we're driving through the town, following Matt. It's pouring down rain, and everyone's watching us drive by, and we're all like waving because everybody knows Matt. Well, and we they also get to love the, the ATVs because there's love, no ATVs in that town. They so love the ATVs. Yeah. We get to the uh, like store, and we end up like getting a beer because he's like, cheers, guys. Like, this is so freaking awesome. Like, thank you for being here, whatever. And then we start playing this like Kino, Kino which I, I'm, we're not gamblers either uh, at all. And it's like this, okay. But it's Kim's this random game. And we got really invested in it. Yeah. It was so much fun. And you're like, basically, you have to get certain numbers. So we're watching for these certain well, numbers to come numbers. through. Yes, we pick the numbers and then we're we're waiting for the numbers on the screen to see if we win, whatever. And like as we're waiting, the electricity goes out. No, but we had already won one ticket, and like right at the end of the game, the electricity goes out and we all start screaming. Yeah. And it was like so we didn't know like do we get any more numbers and they have to get the generator and Matt's like let's get another beer while we wait <laughs> and we're all like fuck so then. At the house, they're all waiting for us to do this debrief, mm -hmm. and like they're like, "Where is where the heck are the ATVers?" Daddy and, yeah, Daddy Ryan is like, "Where are you guys?" Like, and that's like, it's fun. Like, we're just we had to stop off real quick, and and Ryan's like, "Are you gambling?" Or he goes, "Are you drinking?" <laughs> yeah, he's like, "No." He's like, "We're gambling." <laughs> he's like, "Okay, so yeah." But I, I mean, Matt called his barber over, like in Bonnie. He came over and introduced himself. So it was like this local experience. People are hooting and hollering at us because we're like screaming about the Kino. It was, it was awesome. It was really fun. It was like that little thing that really added to the experience. 20 minutes. Yeah. And it was like, wow, that was really fun and very random. <laughs> but like, that was great. So like, Matt is just in on that. He's bringing everybody in. He wants everybody to have a good time. That's so important to him. You know, this is where he lives. He lives in Bonnie. He's from uh, Michigan. Michigan. And so he wants people to really experience this local community because Bonnie is not like a tourist place. Like people don't go to the Dominican to go to Bonnie, right? Like, so he really wants people to have this cool experience. And so 
that's like his specialty. The being the party, having people have fun, and also the logistical stuff on the ground, connecting with the local people and, and setting up these projects and getting them going. Because mm-hmm. um, all the connections we had at the church, at the school, everywhere is like his connections on the ground. I mean, the uh, glucose monitors ran out of batteries and I was like, Matt, we need a battery. He was like, comes back with like, these batteries like he just he has the resources to like figure that stuff out yeah so he that is his role that is his job that being said that's why he brought in uh healthcare workers because he needs that guidance for them to take it and run with that project because he he can't do that he doesn't know about that so he's like you guys figure out this part And like, let's figure out what works, what doesn't, how we can make it better. You guys have to be the drivers of this ship because that's your expertise. And I'll handle the the logistical stuff. Well, he also, (coughs) God love Matt, but he needs some help with the organization. Yeah, he He needs needs an assistant. He needs like you, Kim, driving, like being like clipboard. Like this is when we're waking up. This is when we have breakfast scheduled at this time. You need to be over here. Transportation is going to be here. Like... He, he was in on the party and the hanging out, like, which is part of the experience. But if you had that extra person there... Running the show. Running the show yeah, in you a needed very, that. like, hammer kind of way. 100%. Because to organize 22 people to be at a certain place at a certain time... Is too much. With two houses, it is... That is a hard task. With one person you doing it. You need somebody it. focused generally on that. Yeah. And that's where, you know, again, as this moves... You know, with Emily and, and well, all of them doing it. Because like, I know Emily, so she's from Adventure. She was supposed to be on this trip. Unfortunately, she got COVID. And that's kind of Matt's right-hand woman, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she kind of runs this stuff. And she wasn't there. So I know, like, they're on a trip right now. And she kind of takes control over all the stuff where Matt can be in his role, which is fun. And she and, and Sierra is another one who's there, too, as a leader, able to wrangle the troops, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, 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 again, like this is a grassroots startup kind of a thing. And so it's just finding the flow, finding what works and coming up with plans and strategies to really make it as smooth and as comfortable for the people that are there on the ground that want to be a part of it. But I feel like we could totally went on a side note of coming back to the debriefing because coming back to the sustainability of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So at the end, so I was in the eye clinic side, which we'll get into in a second. And then Aaron was in like the the clinic side. The sucra. The sucra. What do they call you? Sucra. Sucra. That means like sugar boy. Uh (laughs) And uh, so they were. He was testing sugar blood sugars. They were doing blood pressures, and so again, a lot of the blood sugars were. Well, can I speak on this since this was my yeah thing? And I think that was as a group again. You know, the beauty of it is that we had six of us in that little kind of general health, and we had more or less because registration was there with us. So we're all able to kind of chit-chat as well, even before the debrief, right? Um, and so we all were able to like see what our roles were and then figure out like how can we do this better tomorrow, which was cool. And so we were talking of like we would, you know, do the blood sugar, but these people were not fasting, so it's not an accurate blood sugar. So then, you know, we would get a couple 500s or 400s, which are very elevated, but... What did they eat? What's their diet? Like, are they diabetic? We don't know. Are they being treated? We don't know. Are they on medications? We don't know. So there was a lot of kind of like, that was the one thing for me that felt very dog and pony show because of the fact that like, 
we don't really have a baseline, but is this their baseline? But then we also don't know where they're doing for treatment or how we can get them treatment or follow-ups or things like that. And same with the blood pressures. Yeah, so like they would have people with really high blood pressure. That was pretty normal. And the thought was to educate them, Mm -hmm. okay? To educate them. Okay, you have high blood pressure. You have high blood sugar. These are some things that you can do, okay? But the the point there is that if there was somebody with, there was a couple people they thought like could be stroking out. Like if they were in a hospital in America, they would have been rushed to the ER because they were literally having a stroke, okay? Or a heart attack. Or a heart attack. And here, what do you say? Oh, go to the hospital. No, they don't go to the hospital. They don't have access to that. So what's the point of telling them they have high blood pressure? They're not, we can't give them blood pressure medication. Even if we could, it's not sustainable. You can't keep up with it or, you know, blood sugar. So it's like, what is the point of this? Like just to tell them. So then another really great takeaway was that we had um, one of we had translators that we were working with, and so one of the translators I worked with almost every day, she was fantastic. Her name was Alex. She was a med student. She's from Bonnie. She's a local. She knows the people. She knows the lifestyle, the culture, everything, and she was translating for us. And you know, some of the patients would come in through the clinic into the eye exam because we were like the last stop. And, you know, they would write and everybody was just trying to do their best, right? Like just, we try, you're just doing your best of what you know. We're, we're not familiar with the culture and the and how the lifestyles of these people. We only know where we come from and what we do. Okay, so no shade on anybody. We're all just trying to figure it out. But, you know, they, they would like write on the paper like, oh, you have high blood pressure. Like, you know, have a low sodium diet and exercise and eat less carbs and all this. And Alex like was reading this and she's just like laughing because she's like, listen, guys, like we're in Bonnie, like everything we have is salty. There's no low carb diet. Like we don't have access to fresh vegetables. Like this isn't realistic for these people. So yes, you can try to be cute and tell them, Ooh, eat more greens, have a smoothie in the morning, go for a run. But these people aren't going to do that because they don't have access to that rice and beef and chicken. Yeah. And And bread and and everything's salty. Mm -hmm. And, and like, they don't have access to clean water you know Mm -hmm. so it's like it's not so it's like really focusing on having that the education needs to a a local needs to have hands on with the education piece because they're the ones who understand how these people live and what they have access to so why are we telling people you have high blood pressure do this when that's actually not serving them or helping them right no and i think too just on that i think one of the coolest things i think uh, renee said it renee kept saying Guys, take American healthcare out of this. You're not in America. You're not doing American healthcare. Right. So, yes, we are doing these checks. We are providing a baseline for these people that have never got this stuff checked. But take American healthcare out of it. Like, we can't rush them to the ER. We can't tell them all these things. We can't think like we're in America. We have to think like we're in Bani. Right. And just help these people as much as we can for what we have available. Right, exactly. And because that's... I, I will say there was, sorry, the, the there is some political things going on as well, which For North is going to have to work out with the local physicians and all these kind of yeah. things with, with money. And so that stuff is there. These things are happening. And that's right? like and so, what we were talking about is, you know, having more of the local people involved and like, and 
uh, because they understand that they're people and like you like having local doctors, having local nurses, which Matt has tried, but it, it comes down to a money thing, a politics thing, which is something that they're trying to work on. That will make a huge difference to have local nurses, yes. local people like the, who understand that's the point. We're not just coming in as white people from America saying, drink a fucking green juice. Right. That's not helpful. Or, you know, get on the treadmill, you know, try to try to go for a walk. But they were saying go for a walk around your neighborhood. Right. Which is great. Or even like you said, the blood sugar. Like yeah. that's not actually helpful that like, yes, I understand you have high blood sugar and yes, you sh- you're probably diabetic and yes, you should go see your doctor and yes, you should get on some medication and yes, you should change your diet. Great. But is is that what that person needs? No. Like, do, they don't even have access to that. That's why they're at our clinic in the mountains because right. they can't get to a doctor. So, it was it was a very interesting conversation, and you know, having that with Matt and everybody kind of was on the same page and felt the same way about that. And you know, again, Matt's like, yes, like we want to create something that's sustainable. And if that's not, or it's not serving a purpose, mm-hmm. because again, if we can't give medication to help with high blood pressure, mm-hmm. then what's the point of telling them they have it just so they can go to an ER? Right, and nurses in Bonnie around the area make $4 a day. Yeah. $4 a day to work all day. It's insane to yeah. me. So that's why they were saying that they thought they had an avenue to provide them a livable wage to help out with the Four North project. But, you know, the whole politics came in with American companies and pay and all those things. But Austin said this, and I thought it was really good. He said, what if we, what if you bring, find one person, like one person and then build them up, right? They, they put the time in and now they make a good living wage. And that can go out into the community of like, this person put their time in, like they, really worked for this project and now over the long term it has paid off yes and i think that's a really cool message to get out right but you just got to find that person that hasn't had their ears polluted with the local like political pollution right exactly and that's something that again this is grassroots and it's something that's being built from the ground up and it can only get better and better and, uh, and that's something that Matt really wants to incorporate is more of the local people because the whole point is to train the local people to take care of their people. Yes. Not and for I, us to keep coming and in. And I will say that this this trip wasn't perfect, but there, what's really beautiful about it is there is a willingness to do what it takes to make it the best. Yeah. And if it was just like, no, guys, look what we're doing. This is great. It wouldn't have felt as empowering as it did because I do know that, yes, we didn't have it all figured out. Yes, there were some holes. Yes, there were some things we could have probably improved, but we did things what we we did what we could now to build for the future. And there's a willingness to be better. Yeah. And that's what I took away from it is like, wow, like I love this. I 100% agree. There's a commitment. Yeah. A commitment to do better, be better, make right. a difference, make it's an not impact. Look at us. Serve the people, right? right? Like it has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that is that is the heart behind it. The heart behind this mission is to serve the people in the best way that we can. And that's beautiful, mm-hmm. right? And which leads to Gordon. And oh. this was like this is such an incredible service because and again, it's like you only know what you know. I never would have even thought about this like six months ago right so one of one of the biggest drivers was this uh the non-clinical eye exams and or non-medical eye exams and you know 
I, I, so I was assigned to that, which is so funny because like I was so nervous because they basically trained us and it, we had a very quick training and it's not like rocket science. It's not like super hard, but like there, there's steps, there's steps, there's things that you have to get used to, especially if you want to get the right prescription for the person and lots of things that you have to do. And so I was like super nervous. And then of course, like I got assigned to the eyeglasses. You got switched. I got switched. Originally, I was supposed to be in blood pressure, which I'm so glad I wasn't. That's another thing of like the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, having our backs. Because you were doing blood pressures. Yeah, and we that would have been have a freaking be like, nightmare. But because we were filming a YouTube video, Matt was like, I want Kim in the eyeglasses. Yeah. And and at first, I was like, oh, no, like, I don't want to because I'm kind of nervous. Like, I don't want to be the first one, you know, whatever. I don't know what I'm doing. And and but I was like, OK, like, I'm here we go. Right. And so it ended up being such a cool experience. I was, my partner was with, with Laura. We were the first two to do it. And we were both just like figuring it out as we went. We had Gordon in there like helping us, but we were so busy. It was just one after another. So there wasn't a whole lot of hands-on. You just had to figure it out. And like she and I like just, Got your we found a flow and we just, we nailed it. Like we were like the, the eyeglass queens. Like we were like teaching everybody else how to do it. And like, it was such a cool experience because these people were coming in and so many of them hadn't been able to read for years and years and years and years and years. And by simply putting on a very basic pair of glasses, a prescription pair of glasses, not even cute, right? Like just a basic pair of glasses, you would put them on and then you would hold up the sign so that they could read again and see what the difference was. And you would just see these people's faces like light up, like just smiles. And I get emotional. I know. I mean, I know. Because I got to go in there like twice. And the two times I went in there, like you put on the pair of glasses and they stood up and started dancing yeah. and like hugging and smiling. And it's like they can read their Bibles. Yeah. Which is beautiful. It, it, they could read for like, yeah, their Bibles. Like they could read to their kids. They could, you know, just the basic stuff that we don't even think of that isn't it's such a simple thing that we're doing Even giving giving a pair of eyeglasses is like such a simple thing and it changes their life in a moment like it's a tangible takeaway that they walk out of that changes their life it changes their quality of life and yeah they would laugh and they would cry and we had a mirror and we put you know glasses on they look at themselves in the mirror and they'd like start crying and it was like it was so simple and it was beautiful. And it was like, I was so grateful to be a part of that, to know that what we were doing in that room was truly impacting these people, like in such a profound way. And it was so basic. It was so basic. And what's beautiful about it is it does not take a physician team. It does not take machines. It doesn't take infrastructure. It is literally Gordon with a carry-on or a, a large luggage suitcase going to remote villages mostly by himself, but now he's teamed up with the Four North Project, which we're able to do this. And it was so cool because we were like, where do we fit in as radiology people, like in this nurse-driven environment? And the fact that you were able to put eyeglasses on three, 400 people, and it changed their lives immediately, we did not need physicians. We could literally problem, diagnose it, fix it, bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Game on, life changed. Yeah. And, I know. And he said, when sitting with Gordon, you know, at night, whenever we were like wrapping up the day and like in our apartment, 
and he was saying that they've estimated that there's like close to like 300 to 500 million people that can't see that don't have access to eyeglasses yeah in the world so this is like life-changing yeah it's eye-opening it is eye-opening it's something that we take for granted in so many ways and of course there were people that came in that had cataracts and, and different things that yeah like we couldn't we couldn't help or we couldn't serve but a lot of them just a basic pair of readers like this was specifically for reading um for distance and for uh close and just a basic pair of readers like it, it changed their lives and it was so cool and now that i've learned this skill we've connected with gordon like we have this this uh, like mentor now that we can go out like very like buy a kit and ha we have a connection for glasses. We can literally go out and get bring like a team of people. Again, you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a nurse. You don't have to have any specific skill. You don't even have to work in healthcare. No, Matt has done ten thousand eye exams. Yeah, and he's not even healthcare. Right. So like it's very um it, you can teach. And it's easy to implement and take out and to do. And another thing that Gordon does, because he's big on sustainability too, is that he teaches the local people how to do it. He leaves them a kit and he leaves them some glasses so that in within the community, they can continue on and do this over time. And it's just something that was really powerful. And um, I don't know, it just, it was like the highlight for me. I think of just not only being nervous to do it and being like, oh my God, I don't want to do it, but then like stepping into it and like really finding a flow and just feeling so confident and being like, wow, like we're making a difference here. And that was, that was powerful for me. No, absolutely. And I think like it just really inspired me in so many ways to not only the Travis Says Impact Fund, but like the Travis Says Community and what we could do. And that was the missing piece of like what we were trying to figure out is like, what could we do in these communities, right? When we go to these places that we like getting off the beaten path and like even being here in Peru and Cusco, I've already seen, you know, these mountain towns and things like that, that we could get into and like really perform these eyeglass services to give people the ability to read. And like, that's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing service that we can provide with our community. And not only the Travis S. Impact Fund, but almost creating yeah. something that is just donations to the eyeglasses and then helping Gordon's cause as well. Yeah. And then we met a girl, Goldie, who we fell in love oh. with her and her energy. She was just incredible. And like she has a connection here in Peru and uh, and he like goes out into like the more remote like mountain towns and different places. And like so coordinating with her and Gordon and, and, and her guy here in Peru and being able to get like a small team together to go out into the Andes and like serve the people there that would never have come into town or have access to glasses so it just that trip we we have so many takeaways like just both personally with our relationship uh moving forward with different like projects we want to get involved in the people we met like the things that we saw like wow this was really cool or we would have done this differently like let's take note of this like it was just it was just a powerful experience and I think anyone who wants to get involved in something like that like should really look into it. I think they're doing incredible work. I think it is it is for a certain person. Um, yeah. You, and the other big thing is uh, just to hit on like you have to be flexible. I was gonna. That was what I was. Gonna so say. again, we're with twenty two people, twenty two personalities. Um, there's no. There's not. Well, including the interpreters and the drivers and the, so there's more than 22 i mean we're a you're a huge group of people you're trying to organize organize the logistics of it all like 
it's not always going to flow. Like it's not always going to be a straight line. Like you have to be a flexible, you have to adapt, you have to go with the flow. Like there's no choice. It's just, it is what it is. Like there was mornings I didn't get coffee for two hours, even more sometimes. I'm somebody who, as soon as I wake up, I like to have a cup of coffee. It's how I get going. That's I enjoy that time before getting into my day. That wasn't even available. And something to eat. And something to eat. That wasn't always available. And you just have to kind of adapt and go with the flow and just be like, listen, like I'm here. I'm going to do the best that I can. And if, if you're super stuck and having it be, and you, you have to have things in a specific way, a trip like that would um, be very, very irritating. Mm-hmm. You're also sleeping in bunk rooms with people who might stay up later than you or might be loud or come in and turn on the lights while you're trying to sleep and then you're sharing a bathroom. Like You have to take in all of those factors because that's part of the culture of this trip. It's part of the experience of it too. It's part of the experience. And I think it can also help you learn and grow as an individual because yes. if you are so regimented, if you are so like structured, sometimes that lacks kind of mentality of just like, okay, I can survive I can live without these things that I thought I needed for so long. It can be eye-opening in a certain way, right? But then again, there are some certain privileges because you are paying for this trip. This is not like, you know... Oh, yeah, you're paying, yeah. You're paying. Like, you're paying a substantial amount of money to go on these trips. So there are some things that you do feel should be provided in a way, but it's still about being flexible because we did have breakfast. Breakfast was made. I mean, we were in the apartment so, so we had like, a little bit of a different experience. There's a logistical things because Bonnie is also not like a tourist town. There's not just cafes everywhere and, and you have to drive into town. And so it's not like you could just walk. Like it's not set up for that. Yeah. So we're not in like a main tourist town where they're used to just, you know, normal people walking around. Call an you know, Uber. Call an yeah. Uber and, you know, go here and go there. Like it just, the structure wasn't there for that. So you I, have to be able to be flexible and understand what you're doing there. I and even like we did Aaron and I did our own debrief of like okay like cuz at the end uh some of us went to the resort and we had a couple of days there to just like totally chill and unwind and whatever and we were like on our patio in the resort after all of that was over and we kind of did our own debrief of like what were our takeaways like personally relationship uh, just everything right like and you know one of the big things for me was that I have been known to be more type A, more, you know, planner, like want things a certain way. And I think like the more and more like I do these trips, especially even after this one, I was like, I'm really proud of myself. Like I really am. Like I feel like I've come so far and like I just was able to relax into it and just be like, listen, I'm, I'm here. I'm go with the flow. Like, let's figure this out. And like, instead of getting mad or annoyed, there was definitely moments of kind of getting annoyed and be like, where's my fucking coffee? Like, you know, there's definitely some of that. But I'm really proud of myself. I and do. it's because I constantly over the years have been putting myself in situations like this that force you to be flexible because the only other choice is you're going to be in a bad mood and you're still not going to get what you want. And you're going to be miserable. And you're going to ruin your time and everyone else's. And everybody else's. So because the like constantly doing that, like I feel like I'm a lot more chill of a person. Well, can I tell you my takeaway? Yeah. I realize like Kim's always considered herself What's the word? It's like you're an introvert, but you're also an extrovert. Ambervert. Ambervert, right. But like she would like have to kind of really be methodical with how she 
put her time out there for people. Like, she needed her quiet time, but then, like, she could recharge. So, like, at TravCon, that was the one thing that we always realized was, like, it, we were on all the time. And so, Kim would just go to the room and just sit for, like, an hour, and I would stay down there and, and do my thing. What I realized on this well, trip... Well, can I just, lo- yeah, in, right. just to explain that a little bit of, like, because when we talk about, like, an ambivert or whatever, but, like... Basically, like, I'm super, I'm a social person. Like, I'm friendly. I'm outgoing. I like to be, like, in the mix, life of the party. But I can only do that for so long where I have to recharge by being quiet and being alone and just letting myself come back. And then I can go again. But I can't be in a constant overstimulating environment for too long where I have no rest because I get very burnt out. Like, I recharge by being by myself. Right. And so what I realized was I was always thought that I was the extra extrovert, mm-hmm. right? That I could just go, go, go. But as I've been getting more in tune with myself over the past six, seven years and like really finding out what's important to me and how I thrive, I realize I'm not as much of an extrovert as I thought I was. And what I realized is Kim has learned how to balance those times where I would like on this trip, I went so hard hit a wall and it took me like a day to come out of it. I was like angry Bobby. Angry Bobby came out a little bit like but I could reel it you in. You just shut down. You just I shut yeah. down. Like yeah. I was literally like my body says I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to have conversations. I don't want to have small talk. I don't want to like I didn't want to do anything and I had to catch myself but it was a really good practice to be like, no, like you're in this, you're making this time miserable for yourself, get what you need to do, get back on track. If you have to go for a walk around the back of the building, go for a walk around the back of the building, take six deep breaths, let's get back into it. Because I started to feel myself, I was on for like the first three days and then the last couple, I was just like, I don't want to speak to anybody. Yeah. I, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to drive anybody on the ATVs. Don't <laughs> talk to me on the ATV. Let's just drive. So then I would drive a little faster. So then, like, you know what I'm saying? Like You were like trying to buck people off no, the ATV. No, I was not. I never did that. <laughs> no, that was, was Austin. Just, I was being dramatic. Sorry, Austin. We love you. You're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, you know, I was just like, notice that that's a skill that I need to hone in on a little bit more of not burning myself out going hard the first three days and wanting to like meet everybody and things like that yeah like I need to pace myself a little bit better I think you're learning that you recharge too by being alone where you always thought you recharge by being with people People. and it's actually the opposite and yeah like once you get that then it's easier to be like I'm gonna go take some time and then like we I oh like you always feel better coming back in Mm -hmm. instead of just always operating at 10 Mm percent it's like i give myself that time to just be alone and then i come back at 100 i'm like let's go i'm ready like let's do this like you know so yeah i think yeah i I don't know what we're getting at i was just saying i learned that from this yeah yeah oh yeah yeah right and i think that's a takeaway a key takeaway for me that was that was cool okay i think we're done because like we have i have to take a shower and then we have somebody flying in that we're gonna go meet and then we have 11 minutes wow we have a local taking us to like a local cevicheria and holy shit we're kicking this trip off and we gotta let's do this wow here we go Phase two. Next week, we'll, we'll be debriefing the first trip. Yeah, and then waiting for our second group to yeah, come Yeah, so that will be fun. I'll be oh interested boy. to see where we're at next week after we've hiked Inca Trail, have done all the things with the first group, like where we're going to be at. Like, let's see. Yeah, because we come back from the Inca on what, Monday? I don't know. I think so. We're I don't even to, know the days. Wow. We might have to fit in we'll a fi- podcast We'll somewhere. figure it out. Yeah. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, there's so much. We could go on and on and on. There's so many things 
to talk about with this trip. If if anybody has questions, feel free to reach out to us. And um, yeah, overall, it was a really cool experience, and I'm really glad that we got to be a part of it. Yeah, definitely. If you want to learn more information, check out the Four North Project. I think it's fournorth.org, fournorthproject.org, and then we'll put it in the description. Also, uh, Travel Nurse Takeover on Instagram, and then the MedVenture app. Uh, you can learn all about them as well. Perfect. So. All right, guys. Well, enjoy this episode. <laughs> okay, you've already listened and enjoyed. Okay, have wow. a great week. My sexy voice is starting to crack a little bit <clears throat> from all the screaming. We're going to go explore Peru. Here yeah, because we, we didn't even talk about the resort or anything with, like, the silent disco or... I mean, we partied it down. We partied, guys. We had a good fucking time. We had time. a good group. We dude. had a good time. We had a good group. That's why I have no voice. Yeah. Screaming, laughing. Yeah. Talking. Angry Bobby playing volleyball. Not cool. Yeah, anyway. You can't just say that. We'll tell the... We'll we'll bring... Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a a cliffhanger. Maybe we'll talk about it another time. Until until later. We'll see you later, Gator. (laughs) 